Hello and welcome to the Parents of Advocate podcast from Surviving to Thriving in Your Household. My name is Gene Schwelin. Next to me, as always, my beautiful bride, Dr. Sonia Schwelin, pediatric psychologist expert and nationally certified school psychologist. Today, we've got a very exciting episode. We're going to talk about back to school, how to really find out all that's truly going on with our kids at school, uh, getting the details and really just staying involved, showing our kids how much we do care. Uh, and start just really just teaching them how to really kind of open up and come to us whenever they need us. So it takes us setting that example, leading in that way. And so we're going to lean on Dr. Swellen's expertise to really kind of help us parents who may struggle in this area. You know, it's one of those things that we, I think we all kind of struggle with a little bit in some different ways. Um, I know that when our kids come home from school, one of the first questions we all want to ask was, how was your day? Or what'd you do at school today, right? Or what'd you do at school today? And they say fine or nothing. Nothing. <laughs> really. Nothing all day. I, I've heard that numerous times. I, I mean, I just heard it from our 18-year-old last week when he started his first day of college. What'd you do? Oh, nothing today. Nothing at all? You just sat in class and stared at the teacher and she stared back? Well, we went through the syllabus and, oh, tell me about the syllabus. You know, so let's, uh, so let's, let's talk about how do we address that first question. What questions should we ask our kids when they get home? Uh, and then how do we have those follow-up questions that you're so good at? So I think that this is just like a common experience for all parents out there right now. You know, we're going back to school. The kids are getting busy. We're all trying to establish a routine. Um, parents are working. Now kids are at school. We're back to maybe some extracurricular activities, and the running starts, right? We're running, running, running from here to there, everywhere, and we, are, we all turn into soccer parents driving giant minivans. <laughs> Or SUVs or um, whatever they may be. Exactly. And so you know, and, and right now, too, with a lot of kids in different school districts and different cities, states, and whatnot around the country, uh, even around the world, um, some kids are back to school. Some kids are, are doing remote learning. Some kids are doing co-ops now or, or, home, or homeschooling. Some kids are in public or private school. Um, I know with our eight-year-old, her school started without wearing a mask. And now they're back to wearing a mask, and that's a little bit different for them now. And... Uh, so there's a lot of things going on too, and and so we really just need to be connected. And with you know a lot of us as as adults, we're um, you know back into work, or maybe we're still at home working from you know working from home. So there's a lot of a lot of things that have changed in the last week or two. Yeah, and so what I was gonna say is you know we want to go out of our way to maintain that connection, right? Because it's so easy to get swept up in like what you were mentioning the changes or the drama of it all. Um, because it's kind of like that when we're first starting out with the school year. It feels kind of dramatic, emotional, overwhelming. Um, everybody's just trying to get used to the routine. But what ends up happening a lot for parents is that they they maintain almost this like um, disconnection with their children without really meaning to. And, you know, talking to Lee before we decided on the topic for this episode, he had even mentioned, you know, unfortunately so many families will – uh, grow apart from their children and they look up one day and they don't even know their 16 year old anymore. You know, they don't know the friends that they're hanging out with or what they're interested in. Ultimately they maybe cross paths one or two times during the day, you know, as they're walking across the same pathway in the house, but they're living under the same roof and they're just kind of glorified roommates at that point. And so this disconnection can happen if we're not intentional, like you mentioned, about how we go about talking to our children. Yeah, and it kind of goes to the to, to the same thing with us as married couples as well. Um, we see that kind of play true in, and really a lot of our relationships. Hey, how are you? You know, how was your day, hon? Oh, I was good. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, mine was okay. You know, 
um, you know, long day, you know, whatever the responses are, and you just go about your business. There's really no true dialogue. There's no relationship. Um, there's no really understanding of really what's going on. And that's really, really scary in any relationship, but especially with our kids, because so many things can start to develop. Uh, and then they just, they're just going to get worse as time goes on if we're not really communicating with our kids and knowing really who they are, what's going on. Right. And so, you know, a lot of parents will start with um, how was your day or what would you do today? And those are um, really open ended questions. And those can be really hard for anybody to answer, especially if it's like on the way home from school or right when someone gets home and they haven't really had an opportunity to just decompress a little bit. So I usually recommend, you know, when you see your child, when they first get home, you say, hi, you know, welcome home. Glad you're here. Let me know if you need anything, but go take a few minutes to take care of yourself and I'll be downstairs or I'll be in the kitchen or whatever. So it's this, you know, you're setting it up like, hey, there's no pressure here. I'm not going to interview you or interrogate you. I'm, I'm just here and I'll go maybe get your snack ready or set up the table so you can get your homework done or whatever the routine is, but it's a hi, welcome home. Glad, glad to see you again or a hug and a kiss and, you know, go take care of yourself. Yeah. That allows the kid to change clothes or wash their face or maybe sit down and watch a show, whatever they do to decompress a little bit before jumping into having that conversation. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we have to look at also when is when is the interaction with our kid going to be? Is it is it when they get home from school and we're already at home? Because um, they do want to unwind and whatnot. I know with her eight year old, she's every day she's come home over the last week and a half, two weeks, she has been exhausted, taking a nap, falling asleep on the couch. Long days for her. She's not used to it. So our younger kids will uh, will we'll see that a lot. They're going to take naps. They're going to be really tired. Um, and, and so they definitely need to decompress. Uh, older kids are going to have other things that they want to do or unwind. They want to get some screen time they haven't had all day. They haven't had their phones accessible. Um, you know, but also as parents, when are, is it, are, are we seeing our kids when we get home, they've already been home. You know, maybe we need a few minutes to actually decompress, change clothes, relax, get out of our work clothes. Um, because it, it comes down to not just conversations, but meaningful conversations heartfelt conversations really involved if we're getting home from work we're, and, and we want to just go use the bathroom and, and change clothes and and whatever the case may be we're not going to really be that in tune or, or connected or really you know open to have that conversation so right so timing is is important i also think parents will do the hey how are you how was your day like right away it's really their way of saying, I'm just glad to see you or I missed you. And so I want parents to really take a minute and think about what is the message they're trying to convey. And then instead, just say that, right? I'm glad you're home. I missed you. And I'll be in the kitchen when you're ready to talk or something like that versus putting it back on your child to do all the talking right away. Okay. So, so really so think about what you're trying to convey and then just say those words. Okay. Okay, so that's that's kind of like tip number one, tip how number to stay one, connected. Let your kid know exactly what you're trying to convey in that first opening, you know, greeting to our kids. It's right. like, you know, when our two and three-year-old, when we walk in the door, they start screaming and yelling, and then, mommy, daddy, and they come running, and we just hug, kiss. They know they're so excited. So it's really easy for the younger ones, but we, we really have to be good as parents for the older ones. Um, to really show them that we're excited to see them as well and we miss them and we can still get a hug and a kiss. It doesn't matter how old you are. You know, I'm never too old for a hug and a kiss, right? Right. And then, you know, apart from that, on the ride home even, if 
if your child, sometimes this is more common with younger boys than it is with girls, but sometimes riding home in silence without saying anything is actually a welcome relief because a lot of time the kids have had to listen to someone all day or even if they're uh, active participants in school, they're talking a lot all day. And to be able to ride home sometimes in, in the peace and quiet or with some peaceful, relaxing music or whatever is part of decompressing at the end of the day. Like, oh, I can finally just relax. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we've done some episodes on, on, on marriage where we talk about men and women. And, you know, we've got our different, you know, ways of doing things and, and how we are built. And it's that shoulder shoulder silence that, that boys need. Um, so one thing that I'd also like to, to kind of talk about, so there's some different tips and different things we're going to go through today is, you know, let's really find out about how school was. Let's talk about how to do that effectively, when to do that, uh, when is the appropriate time, make it a routine, um, you know, a daily routine for, for us and for our kids, uh, how to really find out about our kids' friend groups and really what's going on with that. Let's talk about lunch and what they ate at school, um, teachers, coursework, different things that I want to kind of touch base on. Uh, but one thing that I, that I really know that's important is that when kids get home from school also, or on their way home, depending on what the commute looks like, is it a 15-minute commute, is it a 30-minute commute, is it a 5-minute commute, kids are always starving and thirsty, typically, when they get out of school. So maybe if you're picking your kid up, having a snack for them and, and, and something to drink, a, you know, a water or a juice box or something like that, um, or if they're getting home and whatnot, letting them have a snack first is also very, very important because we've seen it with our kids. I mean, usually they're, they're, they're pretty hungry and they need a snack. Yeah. And I mean, you know, I also specialize in the treatment of eating disorders. And so, you know, having lunch at school and things like that affect kids with eating disorders, but it also just affects, you know, any kind of kid. And it's an important topic for sure, because when kids are learning, they're using a lot of energy, a lot of, um, uh, caloric needs increase you know, essentially when kids are put back in school because their brain will eat away pretty much at all their energy sources that they need to use to think and learn all day long. Yeah, so let's let's dive into that really quick. Now we did an episode a while uh, just a, a couple of weeks ago regarding uh, you know getting back into the routine of school and whatnot, how important breakfast is, breakfast is and, and and different things like that. But let's talk about lunch really quick because lunch is a it's a big topic that we have with parents um, in so many different ways. So um, there's going to be an episode on the Red Clinic podcast that's going to be uh, this coming Sunday. Um, it's going to be school lunch and eating disorders. Um, but let's talk really quick about a few things that we see uh, just for kids who may not have an eating disorder or whatnot. School lunch, uh, it's a great time for kids to get together and play. Um, I've had lunch at school dozens and dozens and dozens of times. Um, and for a lot of kids, what I've seen and noticed is that a lot of kids just like to play and whatnot, you know, with their friends. It's kind of like, you know, they're, they're not in class now, so it's more of a playtime. They don't eat a whole lot. Um, there are some kids who are very diligent about eating. Um, you've got other kids who are such picky eaters or they don't really care for the school lunch, but that's what they're stuck with, and so they don't eat that either. Um, I've, I've got parents and whatnot that I've heard stories with, with kids that, you know, you have a lunch account, so they get their school lunch, they take their lunch, but kids are buying other foods if they have the option, like chips and snacks and candy and whatnot. And so kids are filling up with a bunch of junk food and not really having a, a, a kind of a, a more well-balanced, you know, type of meal and whatnot. So um, let's talk about school lunch, how we can really, you know, uh, make sure our kids are really getting what they need. Because you mentioned the, the, the brain and the energy and whatnot. It's kind of like our cars. If we don't put gas in it, they're not going to go anywhere, right? Our brains are going to work if we don't have fuel for it. Right. And so, you know, I... I 
I wanted to kind of just back up a little bit because we talked about timing as being like the first thing that you consider. And this lunch topic is a really good example of kind of like that second tip in this framework of once you find that it's the right time to talk to your child, you've given them some time to decompress, you also really want to think about things from their perspective. And as parents, I think that's really hard sometimes to remember because unfortunately we tend to always have like our own agenda and we're trying to like maybe maintain a schedule or get food on the table, make sure that, you know, we're getting our jobs done and also maintaining the household and taking care of the kids. And so we forget sometimes what it was like to be a kid or an adolescent in high school or elementary school, right? And so when I, the lunch example is such a good example of this because a lot of times we forget to even ask, you know, who did you sit with? What's that experience like for you? Because if you think about from a kid's perspective, really when they start like elementary school, middle school, and then it becomes even more relevant in middle school and high school, school is a very socially rich, you know, experience for them. Right. And so you want to talk into the microphone, but essentially when they're in school, their social development is, is just very, it's just a rich time for that development. And that's essentially a lot of what they care about. It affects them. It affects their self-esteem. It affects, you know, how they think about the world. They're starting to navigate all that. So when you ask about lunch, you want to know if they ate, you want to know what they ate, but they not, they may not necessarily want to report all that to you. If you're thinking about it from what's important to them and you start there, you're going to have a much better conversation with them, you know? So who do you sit with at lunch? What is the lunchroom like when you get there? Some kids in high school, especially I've learned, don't even eat lunch in the lunchroom. They try to avoid it because the lunchroom is so anxiety provoking for them. Some kids really struggle with social anxiety. Some kids have, um, uh, in middle school, there's this phenomenon in psychology. It's called um, imaginary audience. And it's very um, normal developmentally for children to develop this imaginary audience type of syndrome where they truly believe that everybody is staring at them, okay? So when they walk into a room or they sit down to eat, they, they sense it, they feel it, they really, you know, just have so much anxiety that people are watching them. And if they were to look up, they would see that actually no one is because every single kid is going through that exact same phenomenon and they all believe it, that, you know, they're just very self-conscious at that age. And so imaginary audience is a big part of why some kids will develop social anxiety or um, even avoid social situations. Lunch is one of the most social times during the school day. And so you want to really think about, like, who did you sit with? Are you finding that you are making friends easily or what's happening during that time? Because you can learn a lot about your child and where they're at with their self-esteem and their social development by asking some of those questions. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you, you mentioned it as well, asking specific questions. You know, it's kind of something I, I teach in sales. Don't ask uh, a yes or no question, ask a question that requires an actual answer. So tell me what you, what, what did you eat for lunch? Um, and, and who did you sit with, you know, and what exactly did you guys do? Just, just really just conversation questions. And I would really encourage parents. I know for a lot of us, it's really hard, um, to get to go have lunch with our kids. I, even right now, in fact, you know, at our eight year old school, you, you can't, we didn't, we didn't get to eat school, uh, lunch at school last year at all. 
Um, and we're not able to do that right now as well with COVID going on. But if you can, and then when you have the opportunity, make it a priority to go eat, you know, lunch with your, with your kid at school as often as possible. Now, you know, your middle school or in high school may not allow you. So if you miss that opportunity, then, um, but if you can for the younger kids, it's a good thing to start because then you can really see kind of how they're actually interacting with kids at school, you know, what the, what the actual environment looks like, how to help educate them, lead them, guide them in certain ways. Um, and even and even leading with them, a lot of parents that go to school uh, to go eat lunch with their kids at school, they don't eat lunch with their kid. Um, I think it's very important to really eat lunch or take a snack or something so you can actually eat something with your kid at the lunch table when you do go. Okay, and why do you think that's so important? Just modeling, just eating in front of other people yeah. and big crowds and whatnot. You right. know. So I'm glad you said that. See, there's my follow up question, right? So say more about that or help us understand that better. Those are really good follow-up questions. Um, it is really important to model, you know, just eating at normal times and the fact that you can eat in front of other people. And when it is lunchtime, we sit down and we take time to take care of ourselves. Those are all things that if kids see us doing also on a regular basis, then they're more likely to do that for themselves. Absolutely. And, and modeling, you know, appropriate behaviors and whatnot um, is also key. So. Um, you know, another good thing to ask your kids, you know, when you're sitting down and actually having that conversation about school with them, um, is, is asking about highs and lows. You know, it's really good to reflect on the highs of the day, but it's also really important to reflect on the lows. Like, what did, you know, what, what are some of your lows for the day? Or what, give me, you know, three highs and two lows, whatever it may be. And when you do that, I, I mean, I like that. That's a really nice strategy, especially if you're around the dinner table and you're eating with the family and maybe everybody goes around and shares a couple highs and lows from the day. It gives like structure to the conversation. It also allows people to kind of think about what's going to fit in each category and what am I going to share today? So it's a good conversation starter, right? I usually want families to do those types of um, conversation starters when they're really struggling to communicate though, right? That's kind of like a formula you place over what would already just be happening naturally. If families have good communication, then generally this does come naturally. You know, instead of saying, how was your day or what did you do today? You start to learn of, you know, hey, how was that test you, you studied for last night, right? Or I know you were having trouble with that teacher. Can you tell me the latest? Um, and then lunch, who did you sit with today? How was it? Are you making friends? Do you have people to play with at recess? Is there anything that you wanna share with me? Though That is more open-ended, but you start more specific and then you can kind of, once you get them talking, they it, they answer the open-ended questions a little bit easier. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, when it comes to friend groups, really finding out who, you know, who their friend groups are is going to be really key as well. And just asking, who did you, uh, who did you speak to? Like, what, what friends did you speak to today? Which friends did you see today? Um, and, and then really, I always ask, you know, even our oldest, um, I asked them just last week and even this week, um, you know, who did you meet? Did you meet any new, any new friends? Did you make any new friends? Did you talk to anybody new today? Um, who was it? How that how that conversation start? You know, I like to find out kind of how how it came about. You know, and uh, it's really just uh, good information. And and it's just a few questions, but then once they start talking, usually then it like triggers their memory, and they're usually open to just kind of sharing more naturally. Because I also want to caution against sounding like you're interrogating your child. A lot of kids get really frustrated. Like, you know, as soon as I get in the car, I get interrogated and I can't handle it. It's too much pressure. I don't want to talk. So, again, timing and then being careful about not asking too many questions, but trying to find the questions that 
help the child know that you really see from their perspective what's important to them. So the example you gave about our 18-year-old, when he had his first day of college, you know, I went to him and I just said, hey, how was it on campus? Did you get lost? And it was kind of funny, but it was his first day on campus. And I, and I remember when I first started college, that was one of my biggest concerns on the first day, right? So I just went there with him. And he, you know, we laughed a little because he did. He went to the wrong building for one of his classes and he had to deal with that. And, and out of that came like a whole story of the rest of the day and how he made up for the time and who he ended up eating lunch with and how he texted a few people he had met at orientation and things. But I, I didn't ask, you know, what did you learn today or what did you do? I just said, did you get lost? Did you make it? <laughs> yeah, well, and I had a conversation with him, with him before school started um, about first impressions and, you know, Hey man, you're gonna be, be be meeting a lot of brand new people you've never seen before. They've never seen you. You know, we're very visual. That first impression means a lot. So be you, be yourself. Um, who do you want to be? And and so he he put on you know one of his favorite shirts and whatnot. So when he came home from school, the first thing he told me, I didn't even ask him anything. I didn't have to ask him any questions at all. He goes, Hey dad, so I parked in the parking garage, and as um, soon as I got out, the parking ga- uh, garage attendant or whatnot, he looked at me. He goes, Hey man, I, I really like that shirt, you know, and <laughs> complimenting on the shirt. And he's like, and, and the conversation went on for like 15 minutes. He's like, You know, I really like shirts made of that material. And I mean, this guy kind of went into too much detail, but it was cool, you know. And then he and he's like, You know, I had three other people that you know throughout the day that actually complimented me on my shirt i'm like yeah man that's cool you know and just we just had that conversation um and and when you're having these conversations with your kids you want to think about just as if you were having them with one of your friends so i mean obviously we want to maintain you know a parent you know child relationship but you i mean you're, you're still friends with your kids right i mean it's a relationship so when you're asking questions, regardless of what you're asking, share some things about your day as well. I mean, it needs to be a mutual conversation because once you start doing that and make a habit of that, and once your kids really get used to sharing back and forth and you're sharing, then they're going to automatically start to open up and, and just tell you everything. They're going to tell you about the lows because you want to know about the lows. And if, you, if you're not having open conversation with your kids right now, you're going to have to start to create these habits. Now, it will take time. Uh, so don't get frustrated. But, you know, once you start having these conversations, your kids will tell you everything. They're going to tell you anything and everything just like a best friend would. That's right. And I think what you said, you know, about share a little bit, too. So if you can relate to something like that or if you think something's really funny, then let them know because you want to be active and engaged in the conversation. It will feel a lot less like an interrogation, right, if you're just asking and waiting for them to answer, but you're also having a conversation with them. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I've shared all kinds of stories with our kids. Our 8-year-old, she's always asking me almost every night, hey, Dad, so tell me something else funny you did when you were a kid, you know? <laughs> and so I'll figure out some other story uh, that I did and I have to think back, but, um, you know, she's, she's just open to, she's used to me sharing different things with her, and so she enjoys that, so she tells me everything. When she gets in the car after school, I'm just, you know, she's she's a woman, so I'm just going to sit there <laughs> and just let girl. her just, like, pour it all out, and she's going to spider web everywhere and all these other things, and uh, but it's really, really fun. So when you can start to build that relationship, um, it, it, it's so awesome. And I know that we all want to have that relationship with our kids, uh, but but life is tough, and, and, and jobs are tough, and we get tired, and we get exhausted. Um, so we've got to be really super intentional about making it a habit and as Dr. Swell, as you said, not, you know, not just doing it in passing or, or, or whatnot, making, setting time aside for that so you can actually sit down with them and actually carry on a conversation and, and as we talked about, share. Right. And, and you know, not, not do it according to your agenda, right? But so I think the two main takeaways from today that we've been saying 
one of them we've said, but one of them I'm just kind of putting together right now is, you know, timing is key, right? And then another theme I'm finding in our conversation is um, holistic, like a holistic approach. We're not just showing our child that all we care about is is your grades or did you study or did you turn your homework in or did you get in trouble today or did you eat your food today? It's, hey, I want to know about all aspects of you, right? So did, did you turn that homework assignment in, but also what happened at lunch today and what did your friends say to you after you told them you weren't okay with blah, 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 right? You're following up, you're, you're understanding that they're developing academically and socially and emotionally and you're concerned with all of it. Yeah, absolutely. And then that gives you key opportunities also to, to lead and mold your child to provide education. We talk about so many times that kids, everything that kids learn is caught, not taught. Um, but these are opportunities where we can actually just, you know, display and, 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 and empower them in different ways. Um, you know, I was asked, you know, our kids about their teachers and, you know, I'll get feedback about certain teachers. I don't really like this teacher. I couldn't relate really well to this teacher. I even got feedback about, you know, one of our, our, our 18 year olds, uh, one of his professors. And, um, you know, and so it's a great opportunity for me to also help him navigate that in different ways and, and hear him, but not give him the answers, not go and run and, and, and call the teacher myself, give them, uh, you know, permission to, to really try to navigate things themselves that we've done, uh, you know, with our kids. Um, but it also allows you to find out kind of what they're dealing with. Um, so on different occasions, you can find ways to really just encourage them, too. So, I mean, I used to on the way to school with our oldest, I would find ways to encourage him uh, for that particular day based on previous conversations. Hey, today, won't you uh, do this or, um, you know, whatever it may be. And, and really, really great ways of, of communicating. So, um, but this allows you to talk about homework and talk about teachers. Uh, you know, some good questions that you can ask also is, do you, you know, who's your school counselor? Because um, the kid knows the, the school counselor, that's very, very cool. If they don't know the school <laughs> counselor, it's probably not very cool. Uh, because that school counselor is someone that can help them navigate classes when they get older. Uh, but also someone they can always go to if they feel like they're, you know, having issues at school with nobody else to talk to and whatnot. That's right. So we're talking about older kids. Let's talk about younger kids for just a second. Because a lot of times the younger kids will get back to you with, you know, you'll ask like, how, how's, who's in your class, right? If they're a first, second, third grader, they might know the kids from the year before. Um, who's your teacher? Do you like your teacher? And most kids are going to say, yes, she's nice, right? That's how they answer when they're little. And they really care about that. It's uh, when they're talking about adults, they want to they describe them if they're nice or not. And usually that means it's somebody who is loving and caring and they know um, that it's just not scary. Right. They're a nice person in my life. And so you want to take that conversation to another level is, well, tell me what makes them nice or what stands out to you about why you think they're nice. Right. And your little one is going to have to really sit there and think because they're not used to giving you reasons for why they think what they think. Um, and that's good practice for developing those critical thinking skills. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, our, our three-year-old now, but when he was two, would come home and tell us all kinds of things about his teacher and whatnot. And, and you got to also, I mean, sometimes your kids don't tell you they don't like their teacher. And, and, you know, so you need to find out why and get some of those things out as well. Um, and then you also have to make sure that what your kid is telling you is actually 100% honest because our two-year-old would come home from school, 
<coughs> and talking about how his teacher hit him with beating with a purple baseball bat. <laughs> and we're like, she did what? And, you know, this is a, a Christian private kind of like preschool. We're like, she hit you with a purple, I mean, a purple. He said with a purple, he, he, she would hit me over the head with a purple baseball bat. <laughs> <laughs> like, where did you get that from? And then we'd say, well, did, I mean, did it hurt? I mean, because we went, <laughs> yeah, it hurt really bad. I started crying and, you know, she, he would have these stories that he would actually, you know, come up with and whatnot. And then do you want us to go talk to your teacher? No. And then he would talk about how, the, the, like, later on, like, I, you know, I want to go see so-and-so, you know, tomorrow at school or whatever else. Yeah, those were made-up stories. That was his imagination for sure. <laughs> yes. So be, be careful. But, um, uh, you know, another couple of things that we want to, I want to talk about just to kind of give us parents some tips because we forget about it so often. Uh, as parents, um, you know, a lot of moms are really good about it, maybe some dads too. Um, but as adults, there's a lot of times that we don't actually eat as often as we should. We skip breakfast, we're in rush mode, you know, we don't eat snacks. Um, when our kids get home from school, it's really important to create a, a, a kind of a, a routine that we've talked about before in the past, but creating that routine for after school to make sure they're getting everything they need. Um, you know, a lot of kids when they get home from school, if they're used to like social media or screen time, they want to watch cartoons or TV shows or play video games. Um, kids need to eat snacks. We talked about just a little bit ago. Um, but kids also really need some outside time too, whenever possible. Uh, and then there's also homework. You know, the kids, as they get older, they're, they're going to start having homework, uh, to some degree, um, or just having reading time that they need. So really figuring out a, a, a schedule for them is going to be really important to maintain. Do you do it as soon as they get home from school? Do you let them kind of just unwind a little bit, enjoy some outside time? Uh, but having structure around that's going to be very key. Um, just to promote just healthy habits. Absolutely, and sometimes for the older kids, you can even combine that, right? If they need to read to prepare for a test, you might ask them to go sit outside on the patio and do it, and that way they can get a little bit of fresh air. Awesome. Um, so any other tips you want to leave us with today? No, I think timing, follow-up questions. Um, try to avoid some of the open-ended questions at first just to get the conversation started, and think about your child as a whole person. Think about their whole day and what they're faced with from that social and emotional perspective, not just the academics or the behaviors. Yeah, and if you ever have any questions, you can definitely reach out to Next Steps Worldwide. Um, you know, and, and the one question, I, I just wanted to say this, just maybe when you just said that made me think about it, but I always have a joke with, with our kids. Um, I will ask them, you know, how was your day? Because I already know the answer is going to be, it was good. And then thanks to Dr. Schwellen and her help over the last few years, I'll say, well, tell me what was good about it. And so they always smile and laugh. And, and so whenever I ask them now, more times than not, they'll actually smile and kind of get tickled that, you know, they know that, you know, oh, it was good, it was good, or, or whatnot. But having some fun with it, but that intentionality is going to be really, really important. So uh, thanks for tuning in to the Parents of Advocate podcast from Surviving to Thriving in Your Household. Don't forget to, to check out the school lunch and eating disorders coming up this Sunday.